on today's show. Missionary, regardless of what happens to you, your church, the people holding the rope or not holding the rope for you, the worst case scenario is not that you would leave the field. The worst case scenario is that we're sinners condemned, judged to hell and praise God. Jesus has already absorbed the worst case scenario for us on the cross, which means that your identity does not rest in you continuing in a particular ministry or continuing to be affiliated with a particular church. Stay tuned. And welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Cookman, Director of Communications and Media with ABWE, here again with my old friend Scott Dunford, pastor of Redeemer Church in Fremont, California. Buddy, it's just you and I today addressing another issue that is right here at the nexus of those three areas, theology, missions, and practice. And this is something that it feels urgent what we want to talk about today because I'm about you, but I've gotten a couple of specific requests that we would address this very topic, Yeah, but it's also timeless. It's also evergreen. I would imagine, Lord willing, there's going to be missionaries years from now in the future that are going to be searching and discover this, hopefully as a resource. And and we hope and pray it's an encouragement to them as well. And so, Scott, you and I have both had conversations with people lately in a scenario that goes something like Mm -hmm. this. Maybe the missionary is out on on uh, furlough, partnership development, deputation, doing various things uh, elsewhere in the country, or maybe just on the field for a period of time. And while they're away from their home church, pastor changes, elder team changes, missions committee maybe changes strategies, the emphasis, the vision of the church changes. And the result of that is that the missionary maybe has to jump through a few extra hoops, or maybe there's really no way to make that work. And the missionary is kind of told we're no longer supporting you. And that's not just a supporting church, but this is this is a situation where we're talking about the sending church itself. In other words, the church mm-hmm. that's holding the rope that's saying, hey, we see you as a commissioned, called, qualified gospel minister being sent out under the authority of this local church. So their legitimacy, we believe, as a missionary depends on a church affirming them in that way. What is the missionary to do? And I know you've had similar conversations. Yeah, I've been in the situation as a pastor, and now I'm in, I'm in previously been in a situation as a missionary where you're either the sending church or you're being sent by a church and and understanding that that authority. I think one thing, if I would hear a missionary come up to me and say, hey, our sending church is pulling its support or asking us to come home, I think I would have a few questions for that missionary. The first question would be, and maybe we can just stop after each of these questions and talk about them a little bit, because I'd love to hear your your responses. But the first question is, of course, like, why? Sometimes churches call a missionary home or ask them to leave the field because either the missionary's doctrinal position has changed or the the church's doctrinal position has changed. I've seen that with churches. Maybe they used to Mm. be King James only, and they sent out missionaries that were King James only, and then the church moves off of that position and comes to a healthier position and they're no longer want to support a, a a missionary that has a different doctrinal position than them. So what Alex, I'm going to push it back to you because you are a churchman. You think deeply about ecclesiology and theology. What would you say to a missionary who's saying my church is calling me home because uh, of a change in theology, either mine or theirs? Yeah. I mean, I think you, you sketched that out, you know, that that's probably one of the easier situations because it, it has, not only to do with 
balancing your ministry with respecting leadership, but it also has to do with, is that a right or wrong decision in your conviction? Uh, do you believe that the doctrinal position that's being taken is true or false, right? Now, there's a there's a specific answer to that in each of those situations. Unfortunately, I think far too often it's, it's never just that one thing. E- even doctrinal situations in churches and debates that split churches, and they're caught up in personalities, they're caught up in ministries and programs that people have run for years and they're attached to. It's caught up in the color of the drapes. It's caught up in all mm-hmm. sorts of things. It's it, I'm not going to say it's never about a, a doctrine just kind of off on a shelf somewhere disembodied, but usually there's a few other things that are entangled in there. That would be a scenario where I, I think a missionary should, number one, seek to be in submission to their pastors and elders and yeah. be like a Berean, open the text of Scripture and see okay, my church is growing in its understanding of a particular point of doctrine. Do I need to develop in my understanding there too in searching the things that are said? If that missionary, by by the word of God, by their conscience, arrives at that conclusion, well, well there you go, and perhaps the door reopens at that point. If the missionary doesn't reach that conclusion, and maybe the, the church is objectively wrong in a new position uh, or emphasis that they've taken, well, then I think at that point, the conversation does become finding a church that can continue to hold the rope for you uh, and support you as a missionary. But just as you wouldn't willy-nilly, and I shouldn't say wouldn't, really, we shouldn't assume this, you shouldn't willy-nilly change churches and not tell your old pastors where you're going and then badmouth that old church to the new pastor. No, even if even if it's doctrinally driven, I think that's a scenario where if you're just a church member changing from one church to another, maybe it's within your own town, well, boy, if at all possible— First of all, that needs to come after the end of a lot of different conversations. Uh, but then you would you would want your old pastors to be able to tell the new pastors and elders in a particular place, hey, we differed on this point. Here's where we stand. We know this person believes X, Y, and Z. We're all within right. the bounds of Christian orthodoxy. And so we don't want to break the, the bonds of fellowship over that exclusively. But we think this person may do better in a particular church. But we want you to know that they're a member in good standing. They're not under discipline, those sorts of things. And Perhaps a similar clean handoff could happen for a missionary from one sending church to another sending church. Unfortunately, I, I don't know that many of the situations that I've encountered or maybe some of our listeners have encountered are quite as clean cut as that. Yeah, I mean, I, usually when it gets to the point where a church is ready to cut off a missionary because of doctrinal differences, there's not a lot of discussion that's going to happen at that point. But right. I think it's still a wise thing for a missionary to do the right thing. And the right thing is saying, I'm going to hold local church authorities very seriously. And I think ABWE or other good organizations would support that, of them coming home, uh, even if it's for a period of time, to sit down, plead the case, show the scriptures, and but also have an open heart to say, well, maybe God's using this to redirect me. I think you and I would both agree that there are times in which it's it's legitimate to leave a church. I think it should be taken seriously. It should be taken in a very careful manner. It should not be done flippantly. But there are times when we say, you know, the church and I are going in different directions. Theologically, we're on different pages. I've taken their concerns seriously. I've examined them with scripture, and I need to submit to a different a different church. That may go yeah. well. It may not go well. But I think there is a scenario in which changing sending churches for theological reasons could be a good thing. And then, of course, the miss- missionary Lord willing can can continue back in the field. That That's one kind of scenario. Another scenario that I think we could talk Wait, about. Wait, can I interrupt you, Scott? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before we talk through different types of scenarios, let's also yeah. lay a little bit of the foundation of some things that we're assuming here. 
I like yeah. the way that you phrased some of that just now of, yeah, I can't submit to this local church. Uh, we're assuming submission to church. We're assuming that someone understands that church is absolutely essential. Yeah. There are no self-sent missionaries, regardless of whether your agency requires a, a missionary to have a formal on-paper sending church. I think they all should, but there, there's nobody that can call themselves that a missionary is legitimate if they're sent out as an ambassador of a local church. And sometimes that's really formal. Sometimes that's a little bit more informal, but we should all be in submission. And even the apostle Paul, the apostle Paul submits himself in a sense, to the church at Antioch and those local church leaders who weren't apostles in Acts 13. And to Jerusalem, you know, he was willing to submit to the leaders there. And checking your heart and making sure, am I failing to submit to all authority or just to this particular authority? Yeah. You know, I'll submit to an authority, but there's there's something here in my spirit pre- preventing me from submitting in this particular case. And that's that's valid. And so that's how we're coming at this. And as we go, we're going to talk about some scenarios that are maybe increasingly difficult. And so, Scott, what's what's another scenario? Missionary types need to realize that because they have a personality that is risk-taking and is intrepid, that it also makes them probably more inclined to, to buck yeah. authority. And so knowing you might have that tendency should often should cause you to take a pause when your first response is, ah, those guys don't know what they're doing anyway. I'm going to just go ahead with this. Like, take a second, come back to it. Another scenario that comes along with that, and we've experienced that, you know, and I think probably everyone in an organizational setting has experienced that, is when the church says for whatever reason, for some perceived theological reason, for a perceived methodological reason, because they got sideways with the president of the organization or one of the leaders, they say, decide, I don't want to support that, that organization before. That's another kind of question. What would you say, Alex, to a missionary that comes to you and saying, We've been serving with, let's just say, ABWE, that's our organization here. I've been serving with ABW for 20 years, or integral part of our ministry, but now my pastor is telling me I need to switch to a different organization. They no longer want to support ABWE. I think the only thing that we can do is encourage the missionary to be asking more questions at that point, not only questions of the church to inquire, okay, why, what is, what is the thinking here? And to hopefully be a part of those conversations proactively, not just reactively to a decision that's already been made. Again, maybe that's ideal. Maybe that can't really happen. Uh, But the central question is, is your loyalty and is your allegiance and commitment before God more to that church or more to the agency or to the field that the agency enables you to be on? And there's just different layers of that that you've got to think through. Now, on paper, given those two choices, it's easy to see how, well, you know, I'm a member of this sending church, or I, I was a member, depending how that membership works exactly, but I am or was in covenant with this sending church. I have commitments to an agency too, but at the end of the day, right, Jesus said, I will build my church, not my agency. And so church membership is kind of a, a trump card in some of those things as far as where our loyalty is, assuming that authorities are making godly, wise decisions. At the same time, I think there is a legitimate practical case. And I I think that most of our listeners, if they're listening to this show, if you're listening to this show, chances are you understand the idea of submitting to the leadership of a local church. You understand the value of that, right? That's a lot of what we talk about on the show. Chances are, though, there's many missionaries who feel like their consciences are bound in that situation. And yet they're in a scenario where, well, but 
you don't understand my visa to be in this country comes through this arrangement with this agency. And maybe I've been on this field 20, 30 years and I have neighbors, I have teammates, I have people that I've been investing in. I I live here. This is my home. Yeah. And because of that, I can't just eject from the agency or actually I'll lose my entire ministry. My entire family's life will change at that point. And kind of what I want to do, and and no, I can't give a particular chapter and verse on this, but it's because what the New Testament says about local church leadership and polity and structure is a little bit ambiguous at certain points because the church is this organic organism, living thing that that transcends ages and cultures. Yeah. And so there, I can't give chapter and verse on this, but I think that's legitimate. And I think the missionary, you should feel at peace to make a decision there that that really has practical value. When you really consider at the end of the day, you're talking about a church on the other side of the planet that might not understand anything about your particular situation, burdening your conscience, laying upon you the requirement of leaving everything in your current ministry. If the Lord's led you there, I don't know that your conscience is bound to submit in such a way that that means that you eject completely from your ministry on your field, assuming everything about that has been legitimate and affirmed by godly people up until that point. Scott, do you disagree with that? No, I I think, though, that it's important. If a pastor is listening to this, it's very difficult often for pastors to fully understand the layers of complications on the field. Yeah, And uh, I would encourage pastors to, it's certainly legitimate as a church to say, we no longer want that sending agency. I think that's a legitimate thing, but also understand there's a complicated levels of layers and relationships and commitments that are made that need to be taken into account. So slow down the process in the new Testament. We don't see examples of it because there was no internet. (laughs) You know, there was no phone calls. They would have to finish their mission, come back to report. And then the next discussion could be happened of what's going on after that. On the missionary side, I think it needs to be taken seriously too, but I think they can, they can come back. What I would say as a missionary is I would want to say, okay, pastor, can I come back or can we schedule a Zoom call to be able to walk through the layers of what will be affected by this? Uh, unfortunately for some missionaries, I think it's they get caught in a conflict. It's frustrating. Almost every missionary is going to have conflict on the field, either with their direct leadership or with their teammates. Uh, they're already under a ton of cultural stress and the church can then sometimes be used as an eject button out of the situation. And in all those situations, I just want to, I would encourage a missionary to say, if they don't want to leave the organization to come back home and say, pastor, could we meet with our leadership? Could we sit down with, with the pastors, but also with representation from the organization? Can we talk through what this would look like? And if you want me to leave, could, could we create a scenario in which I leave in an orderly way that isn't going to, disrupt the responsibilities of what's happening on the field. I think I think that is a reasonable response, but it also takes seriously the leadership role of the local church. As an aside, though, churches and missionaries need to take membership more seriously. And there's often times where a missionary might be serving for 30 years, pastors have come and gone, there's been very little uh, connectivity other than a prayer letter and a once-in-a-four-year visit, and then suddenly something changes and now the dynamics have changed rapidly and it's just, it's just not completely fair to anyone involved. So mm-hmm. I would say in the front side of that missionaries make it your responsibility to be overly connected with your church. And then pastors make it your responsibility to be overly connected with your members that are serving overseas so that there's clear communication going forward on this. Mm. Two more things with that, Scott. And, and I think this doesn't just apply to this scenario that we're talking about, but 
all the scenarios that we'll discuss on this episode. First is for a missionary to leave their sending church and to switch sending churches potentially is is tantamount to leaving a church, uh, leaving one's membership. Don't functionally excommunicate a church member because of a minor difference, hmm. because of a shift in emphasis. Well, we don't really want to be supporting missionaries in Europe, and so we're, we, we're only going to support people in this 1040 window. Man, right. don't be so convinced of a sociological, missiological, demographic nuance, um, something that's frankly debatable, the idea of this unreached people group concept. We've got plenty of episodes discussing that, right? But don't, don't be so convinced of that that you're going to functionally excommunicate a faithful church member who's representing your church and serving in another context. That's one point. The other point is Proverbs eighteen seventeen. The first one to state his case seems right until the other comes and cross-examines him. In our own church, we've had plenty of scenarios, everyone has, where a person makes it a compelling case until you get the other side of the story. And for a church, man, don't just listen to your missions committee's input. Listen to them. Also listen to the agency. Also mm-hmm. listen to your missionary. Also listen to that missionary's teammates if you have access to them. Also listen to the local Christian community there if you have access to them. There's nothing wrong with getting more perspectives. Only good can come from getting more perspectives, especially if there's a situation that's kind of ambiguous, kind of messy, and a lot of these situations are going to be kind of messy. But get all of the research, and as much as possible, yes, rule and exercise authority as a pastor, as a leadership of a church, but shepherding means being involved, being down in the weeds, being intimate in that way, and and not being a top-down executive that's dictating a strategy, and, and heads are rolling because of that. Uh, but be listening and being aware, even if hard decisions are made afterwards as a result of that. Right. There's a lot of missions culture that's really unhealthy. There's culture on the field that's unhealthy that says stay no matter what sometimes, or uh, that, that is pushing people in, in directions of ministry that isn't, that isn't useful. There's, but we also recognize on the other side, local church culture isn't always healthy. Pastoral leadership yeah. isn't, isn't always healthy. And uh, so we, we ought to have a lot of grace in how we're working through this. But I, you know, I, I know of a situation. I'm going to change the details of it uh, because the likelihood is high that someone that's involved with this will listen to this. And, um, you know, where an organization wanted to send a young person who was not being approved by their church and they end up serving on the field and there was issues going on and there was even you know, uh, readiness issues that were, that were going on. And uh, the church communicated with the organization and created an orderly timeline for that person to be sent back to uh, the States. And Mm -hmm. then that timeline comes, comes and goes. And uh, so then what does a church do? Well, I know what this church did. They basically wrote a letter and had it delivered saying, we do not support the ministry of this person in this place. We do not think that they should be there. And we are either re- we are requesting them return home immediately because, I mean, there had been communication for a year leading up to this or saying, if you cannot submit to the leadership of the church on this issue, then it, it'd be wise for you to find a different church. You know, that, that's one way that sometimes it works out. Sometimes churches do have to call a missionary home. Doesn't mean the missionary is going to follow that. You know, I mean, we, we don't have control over people's lives, but it is the responsibility of the church to to look over the the spiritual wellness of their members to look at the 
the calling of God on their lives to look at their moral character and their readiness and to speak into those issues. And a, a missionary is wise, especially when they do have uh, leadership that's trying to be godly and uh, that, that seems to be going after Christ and is word-based to lean into that because it's for their good. I can think of examples in my life, I'm sure you can too, Alex, where I did not like the advice that was being given to me by an authority. I even thought they were wrong, but in the end, that was that ended up putting me in a place of God's God's blessing and favor in my life. You know, it may be that even the leaders are wrong, but yep. that God's still using that wrong leadership to put you where you need to be next. Yeah, every David has his shimmy eye, right? Like, well, maybe maybe this critic of mine is making a point, and God's going to sanctify me through it. And and if not, then God will deal with that person. But I, I completely agree, and I think not only having that attitude of openness in that way, you can tell the difference between authority that has your back and authority that doesn't. You can tell when a critique is out of love versus if a critique or a shift in strategy is detached completely from you and anything that you're actually facing in your life and your work overseas. So that's important. And also asking with that, again, I think this applies to all the scenarios that we're discussing. Is your ecclesiology, your your submission to the local church, your understanding of the role of pastors, shepherds that are that are responsible to keep watch for the flock, to to shepherd your soul? One is your understanding of that biblical, but two is your church's understanding of that biblical. Because there are some sending churches where maybe they practice membership, maybe they don't, but to be honest, they don't have a very well-formed ecclesiology. They see themselves as one of an option of different churches. They're all franchised. They're all interchangeable. Maybe they're doing sort of an attractional church model where membership isn't as highly valued. And, you know, we're one type of church that exists for this one marketing demographic. Okay, you're not compatible with our philosophy anymore. Go over here, just like you would switch clothing or that you would, you know, switch employers maybe or or things like that. If that's the attitude of leadership, I, I would say, are you as obligated to submit to authority that doesn't even understand its authority in that particular situation. If a pastor isn't pastoring, then don't necessarily hold yourself captive. If you're in the right, if the facts are on your side, don't be held captive by that. If the church doesn't even understand itself to be responsible to shepherd you. Now, hopefully the pastor does understand his role is to be a shepherd. That is what a pastor means. They're not just visionary leaders making decisions as an executive from a C-suite or something like that. And so that's something important to keep in mind as well. I mean, I'm going to bring up an example that's personal to you here in a second, but you know, Uh-oh. one, I would just, I'd encourage missionaries to, you know, be patient with your pastors, you know, like I think of all the ways that I fail my members, not because I don't have the right thoughts. Sometimes it's just, I don't have enough time in the day, or I forgot about them at a, at a moment when I wish I hadn't forgotten about them, but Uh, life got out of control and I wasn't as maybe as organized as I should have been. And I didn't do what I hoped to be able to do. And I think we need to have a lot of grace for each other, but especially to pastors and, and, and recognizing that churches aren't going to be perfect on this, but it doesn't mean they're an invalid church or that their authority in your life is invalid just simply because they're, they're wrong. But I look at you, Alex, this is where I said, it's going to get personal. And you know, some people, you know, know a little bit about your journey, but I, I watched you, uh, I think in a good way, being part of a church that I would have said is unhealthy with some of the same dynamics you just kind of laid out there as probably not being very conducive to a good sending church. And um, 
you didn't just jump ship. I mean, you took time to communicate where you were at, where they were at, what God was doing in your life, hearing from that, taking the time and being patient with the process, and then leaving in a way that was honoring to the Lord, but also not distracting to the ministries that were going on. There can be valid churches that aren't doing everything biblically, and we need to still respect the validity of that church, even though it's time for us to leave. You've shown me a good a good example of that. Hopefully you would see it the same way I did. Uh, but I, I think even when we leave churches that are dysfunctional or that maybe are you know, not healthy in, the, in those ways, we still need to treat it as, as a serious process. Well, I mean, praise God. And I think you're right that there is a, a challenge there that even in an unhealthy situation, you know, sometimes we can get so in our heads about a certain decision, especially in this day and age of technology where I'm reading things, I'm scrolling through things all the time. I'm you know, maybe texting with my spouse and there's so much activity and communication and conversation happening before I even actually open my lips to someone that's involved in the situation or in the church. And this is true of any decision to leave a church, but don't let the first thing that you say be, that's it, we're ejecting. If it's in a scenario where right. did you have other opportunities to, if Matthew 18 doesn't apply here, it, you know, either follow Matthew 18 or, or at least ask a question. What did you mean by this? Why are we doing things in this way? Hey, pastor so-and-so, can I take you out for coffee? I appreciate your ministry so much. And again, sometimes those things don't make the difference. Sometimes maybe yeah. you're listening and saying, Alex, I've done all of those things. Well, well, praise God. But sometimes they do make a difference. And at the very least, you know, the Apostle Paul exhorts us all to, as much as possible, be at peace with everyone as much as we can, right? Sometimes yeah. it, it doesn't depend on us. But as much as does depend on us, we should be at peace, including at peace with pastors and elders in churches that, that don't see eye to eye. And I think that there is room for scenarios where there's a sharp disagreement, but at the very least, we can affirm that each other, that, that we're believers, that yeah. we're doing maybe the best that we can in our situation with the way God's wired us and the perspective that we have to try and make godly decisions about things that can be objective. Again, we're not talking about the first scenario where somebody became a heretic, either the missionary or the church. In that case, somebody's got to repent, right? We're not talking about that. We're talking about some of yeah. these things that tend to be a little bit more subjective and, and personality-driven. And in those scenarios, can we at least affirm that we are all part of one holy, apostolic, Catholic, universal church, right? That, that we all belong to the body of Christ globally and, and starting with that assumption. So, you know, pastors, I think, can lead the way on this with their when they're making a change. Missionaries can sense uh, that church back home, they've changed a lot. They got a new pastor. They're going a new direction, you know, and they wait. They're waiting for the guillotine to fall. Pastors, don't don't do that. Uh, lean into the to the discussion. Be upfront about it, but also, you know, do unto others as you would want them to do to you. Uh, think about their families that are involved. Make a plan. Work that plan out out with them. It doesn't have to be overnight. You're not a compromiser because you treat people with care, you know, uh, even over something you might think is a, you know, th a theological disagreement. I mean, obviously assuming not rank heresy, you know, but make a plan to help them exit in a way that cares for them, cares for their soul, lets them find new support, lets them find a new church and not just cut them off. But on the other side, missionaries, you know, don't don't litigate this on social media before you've had a conversation with yep, your or pastor. in your prayer letters, right? And that they can do that. You know, um, we 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 all want to make the case. You know, like we're front loading it so that when it, the news comes out, we don't look so bad. 
And uh, be careful to do that too. Make sure you're dealing with things privately, directly, if you possibly can. And if you can't, still, don't air the laundry out on social media uh, as is just a tendency in our culture to do. Because we know that when we go through those tough times, we want that emotional support. And there's, there's, you're always going to find someone on social media say, y'all, I'm so sorry you were wronged. And, uh, but instead, do the right thing and, and deal with it directly and, and keep it quiet in a way that, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying hide something horrible, sure. but I'm saying yeah. just, just disagreements, right? That, that don't need to be aired out for everybody. Mm-hmm. That isn't honoring to the Lord. It isn't respectful. So, Scott, question for you now. First of all, what if I told you that guillotine has a silent L? I'm just kidding. Moving on from that. What did I say? Guillotine. That's right. I'm just, I'm just sassing you. I know it's guillotine. If I said guillotine, I just blame that on Alex's lack of sleep. <laughs> Go for it. You, you and everyone else, man. Uh, but really, the real question here is how do you pronounce? No. The, the, <laughs> the real question is, what if the church is right? What if the missionary in their ministry is doing something wrong or questionable or unwise? Obviously, that's going to be a process for the missionary to come to that sort of a realization. Mm-hmm. But how do you even get to that sort of a realization? And how do you even know what to believe, who to believe, who's got your back, who doesn't? And how should a church deal lovingly in that situation anyway? Because, you know, part of this is we want to support work that represents our philosophy of ministry. But the other part of it is loving people, realizing that these are people's livelihoods that are caught up in their ministry funds. And so what about a scenario where eh, the missionary is doing something wrong, the missionary is in the wrong? You're saying like they're involved in a ministry that the church doesn't want to be involved with. Let's assume it's not a moral failure because I, yeah. I think that becomes a lot more clear. Let's assume that that it's a maybe it's a methodological failure, for instance. Mm-hmm. So for instance, right, a lot of our listeners would probably take a very similar position to us on like something like, let's just say something like insider movements, right? So if a church has, a church discovers, hey, I've got a missionary out there that has been serving the Lord for 20 years in a Muslim context, and they're they're implementing insider movements, and suddenly that becomes an awareness. I mean, I think both of us would say that's a pretty serious thing. I would not want a missionary that I'm supporting as a church engaging in that ministry. Or maybe it's a pastor that's coming into a scenario, and now we've got new missionaries getting to know them and finding out, whoa, you know, there's a serious theological, methodological error on the field. How do you go about that? I think it goes that same principle that we've talked about. I think directly communicating with that missionary and asking them questions first. I've had situations where I thought I knew what this person was believing, but then when I started asking questions, I realized they need help in clarifying what they're doing, but they weren't doing what I was afraid they might be doing. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Um, So asking good questions. But then if... If you discover, hey, there is a problem, I think it's very legitimate to say, we'd like you to come home and spend a month. We'll pay for it. Spend the money. Help them come home in a good way and tell them what you're coming and and begin talking about it. Like, this is where we see scripturally. This is where we as a church want to be. And and give them the opportunity to go, okay, maybe this was just they needed to be trained and taught on this area. Mm. Um, But maybe they decide, no, this is something we fully believe. Well. I can imagine the sounds of church members saying, we don't want to give one penny to that kind of ministry. And I, I understand that. And maybe you and I would even disagree with on what I'm about to say next. 
I would not want to give one penny. That would be a first for this show. Yeah, and in life, right? We never disagree. We need to create a separate like Twitter channel for just Alex and Scott disagreeing on stuff. But in the big things, I think we we do agree. But on this issue, like you know, maybe we would disagree. I would be inclined to still say to that missionary, okay, we're gonna we're going to sunset your support, but it's going to be done in a way that allows you to care for your family. Mm. I, I don't think we have to look at it as I'm endorsing mm-hmm. bad ministry. Yeah. I think we look at it as saying, I'm loving my neighbor. I'm yeah. trying to be a good testimony and caring for the household of faith, doing it in a way that doesn't like suddenly, I mean, the, the children didn't sin, you know, in this scenario, right. possibly, you know, maybe right. even the wife isn't necessarily sinning in this way. Right. And it may not, this person may not yet be aware of the fact that they're sinning. And so treating them in a loving way to help them transition, I think is just a, a, a God-honoring way to handle it. We've dealt with situations like that. I was in a conversation yesterday with someone who was talking about, you know, there, there's something going on and, and we may or may not be a fit with this person in this organization. And, mm-hmm. and this was in the context of joining together. And the question yeah. really is, well, why, why do it all at once? Why not make it gradual? Whether you're aligning with a new church or a new missionary or whether you're parting ways, there's nothing wrong with doing something on a trial basis or in your case, like you're talking about with phasing something out. I think there's a lot of wisdom in just being patient and waiting. I think that is loving people well. And as we sort of wind things down here, Scott, I know that this isn't just a, a theological debate or, or topic or, or you know head scratcher. This is this is deep. This is personal. This is emotional. And so, Scott, as a missionary speaking to missionaries, how would you just encourage those that are wrestling with with something like this? And it's and it's personal. And it's it's cost them sleepless nights and it's potentially costing them ministry overseas, never mind all the adjustments for their family. What would just be some encouragements that you would have for a person in that kind of position? You know, one, I, w- I would just say lean into this as, as from the hand of a loving God who's, who's trying to do something good mm-hmm. in your life and, uh, and recognize that even though this is a trial, that maybe there's something for you to learn through it. And if nothing else, you're going to learn something about God in, in this process. That'd be the first thing. Uh, second thing would be take seriously authority in a way that you would want your children to emulate, that you mm-hmm. want the people that you're ministering on the field to emulate. Uh, don't try to get out of your own personal head about it and make it about personalities and try to see it. And, and try, so try to respect authority in a way that is a good example to those who are watching you because the churches on the field that you're planting are looking at how you're responding to your own church. Your children are looking at how you're responding to authority. So Respond to authority in a way that you're going to be proud of and that sets a good good example. Mm. Be in clear in communication. Work really hard at communication on the front end. So the best time to start building relationships with your pastors and churches, uh, missionary, is today. I know you're really busy, but take the time to write to your pastor, even if they don't write back. Take the time to communicate with, with missionary, uh, with your church members. Yes, they should be doing that. Pastors, you should be leaning into this. But if they don't, that doesn't give you an excuse to check out. Like you need to, to take it seriously. And the seeds you sow in relationship building right now will be, will help you right. As you go forward. Mm. When, when I was a pastor in Michigan, our, our church people were so invested in the lives of the missionaries that, that the pastor knew that he just couldn't come in and make willy nilly changes because these were missionaries that were known and loved and respected. And it pulled the pastor into that culture. So, Mm. You can build that culture. Amen to that. I, I want to close with this, mm-hmm. uh, an encouragement, because, you know, there's 
there's a lot of wrong ways to deal with these situations. You, you could just flagrantly sin. You could have a terrible attitude. But there's no one right way all the time. There's right. there's a lot of potential right responses, right? Wise Christians can disagree on some of the subjective things that have to do with church affiliation and things of that nature. Hear what the Apostle Paul says here in, in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 12, a very different context. Uh, but listen to what he strives for. Our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so toward you. Hmm. Follow your conscience. How can you sleep at night? How can you come before the Lord and have a clear heart, a clear mind, a clear conscience, simplistically, right? Not trying to achieve or to be uh, adored for something, but simple desire to please God and to do right by other people, regardless of the consequences, entrusting it to God. And second and lastly, missionary, regardless of what happens to you, your church, the people holding the rope or not holding the rope for you, the worst case scenario is not that you would leave the field. The worst case scenario is that we're sinners condemned, judged to hell and praise God. Jesus has already absorbed the worst case scenario for us on the cross, which means that your identity does not rest in you continuing in a particular ministry or continuing to be affiliated with a particular church. Your identity is not found in whether or not you remain a missionary at all. Your identity is found in the love of your Lord Jesus Christ for you, who values and treasures you as his elected child of God, regardless of where you live and what you're doing. Rest in that. Behave in simplicity and godly sincerity, and the God of peace will be with you. We truly believe that. We hope this is an encouragement to you. If you're dealing with the situation, go ahead and write to us, Scott at missionspodcast.com or Alex at missionspodcast.com. You can go to that website, missionspodcast.com, to get more content. The Missions Podcast is a ministry of ABWE. To learn more about us, go to abwe.org. Remember to do all the podcast things, share, like, subscribe, rate, all those things. We appreciate that, and we appreciate you. Until next week, thanks for listening.